In the spirit of audacious, the message title is called Between Two Good Things. I asked you if you're good today and whether you truthfully answer that or not. The reality is that we're always in between something. We are always caught in the middle of something. There's something that is good and there's something that is good. There's something that is God, but there's something that is great. There is something that is peaceful and then there's something that's not peaceful. We're always caught in the middle between two good things. How do you choose? I asked the women today, or sorry, this week on the women's channel, if you are not in Slack, if you're not communicating through Renee, you are missing out in a huge portion of the conversation. You are missing out on, on some of the pivotal conversations that you can be a part of. And the reality is you don't have to engage. You can just be reading. And by reading, you'll see and you'll, li- you'll, you'll hear and you'll feel and you'll sense. And the revelation is just as good and just as powerful as it is for the reader than it is the person that's actually writing it. So get in there, participate, get in the conversation. I asked them, I'm like, okay, I'm preaching on Sunday. What are some of the, the topics that I should bring to the surface? What are some of the things that you're struggling with? What do you need clarity in? A lot of those questions, or sorry, a lot of the answers were quite staggering to me. Because the reality is a lot of you just don't know where you're going. A lot of you are chasing healing because you're sick and it's putting you in a place where you're literally running cycles in your life. There are some of you that go, how do I know I hear God's voice? How do I know God is in something? How do I know if what I stepped out into was really meant for me? There's a lot of things that we are chasing. There's a lot of strategy and a lot of goals and a lot of dreams that we are chasing. And we put ourselves in positions. We have to choose between two good things. That's a really hard decision. That's a really hard question to answer when you're confronted with a good job, the dream job where it'll land you in the city of your choice. It'll give you the figures that you've always wanted. It'll put you in high rises and corner offices with great views. But you found community and you found a sense of home and a sense of purpose on this side. And leaving this could potentially mean compromise, but this is the dream, but this is where I feel home. You're caught in between two good things. How do you choose? What do you choose? What's the way forward? The reality is we're just blowing smoke. If I were to say audacious, chase the dream into the unknown, that's exactly where we're gonna end up, in the unknown. If we're the ones in the driver's seat, Jesus came to do three things. Number one, forgive you of your past. Number two, to give you a purpose, a promise, and a plan. And number three, Jesus came to secure a home in heaven for you. To secure a home in heaven for you. And in between these good things about Jesus saving you, from your past and him securing a home for you. There's this thing in the middle, again, called your purpose, your promise, and your plan. And some of you are going, what the heck is my promise? What the heck is my purpose? And what the heck is the plan? 
Does anyone feel like that? Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. We're somewhere in between these really good things that Jesus came to do in our lives and we're lost. We're disorientated. We're in the wilderness of our own lives. We're in deserts trying to find a water reservoir. And we're trying to lead ourselves to places that we cannot sustain ourselves. We cannot sustain ourselves in the desert. There's no life in the desert. It's impossible to discover your purpose and your promise without knowing God. I'm going to say that again. It is impossible for you to know your promise, your purpose, and your plan without knowing God. Who God is. What he is doing. What he is up to. The characteristics of God. It is impossible for you to chase the healing, the breakthrough, the promised land if you don't know who God is. And I feel, you know what, I feel like our sleep is showing a little bit today. Because the reality is we're chasing things and we're not chasing the one that we should be chasing. And we're tired. We're tired in our soul. There's no energy. We feel lifeless. And this is for people that are literally interns that feel called to ministry. And these are people in the marketplace that are trying to figure out that life and trying to bring light into that realm. Might be two different arenas, but it's the same sentiment. You're lost because we're chasing things instead of chasing God and knowing God, which brings the provision and brings what we need. We cannot put promise and purpose before God. We will never find it. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Are you counting down the hours of the day to be done with the tasks because you're over it? You'll never find it if you put it before God. Furthermore, who's your audience? Who is your audience? Is it your direct oversight? Is it your boss? Is it your grow group leader? Is it your community? Who are you trying to impress? You will run out of gas sooner than you think if that's what you are doing. Who's your audience? Because we should only have one audience, one audience member. Success. And Chris has so eloquently put this together. Chris is at home. He's online. I love you, babe. I'm sorry you're sick. He's got the vomiting bug, but he's tuning in. Everyone's go, aw. Love you. Okay. He has been framing this whole upside down, inside out concept of success. Because I feel like the world gives us the criteria and the prerequisite for what it is to be successful. But then you read the Bible and it's like the last shall become first. And it talks about like narrow roads leading to life and, and wide roads leading to destruction. What does that mean? We're taking our cues from things that cannot sustain us. What quantifies success for you? What does it mean to be successful? Who is your audience around your arena? And what does it quantify as a win? 
Who is there in that arena with you? What quantifies it as a win? Does your success, is it based on your wins or is it based on values? Do you sell yourself short in boardrooms and conversations? Do you elbow people up the corporate ladder? Are you the first one to boast in the board meetings? I did that. I do that. I'm good at that. Is your success dependent on God or your wins? Listen, the reality is there's two answers to that question. There's God's answer and then there's everyone else's answer. The space is in between. A question, two answers right in the middle. Which will you choose? Listen, the reality, I keep saying the reality is, but yes, the reality is that seriously, we can come in here every Sunday and we can have a really great emotional moment in worship and you can be patted on the back by some really nice people and then off you are into your life and you're living life full of regret, turmoil, pain. You've given God your heart, but you haven't given him your body. You've given God your soul, but have you really given him your spirit? We got to stop wasting time. If we're going to be audacious and if we're going to step into the unknown, because I feel like our church is called to go to places that churches have never gone before. And that's not going to happen off the back of Chris and Audrey and their four offspring. That's going to happen when every single person in this room and beyond online that calls people church their home takes up their cross and decides to follow Jesus. All right, let's read some scripture. We're going to go to Haggai 1. We're going to go to the Old Testament. We're going to go to the prophet. Haggai 1. I'm going to break this down for you. It says, verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you, yourselves, to be living in your paneled houses while the house remains in ruin? Haggai's asking the people, where are your priorities? Where are your priorities? Hey, listen, this is not about the physical homes, although it will kind of touch on that. I'm talking about your spiritual home. I said, you want, you've given God your heart, but have you given him your bodies? You, your body is a home to the Holy Spirit. And here we are, wasting our bodies, building panel houses out there when the house internally is in ruins. And God is saying, where are your priorities? Where are your priorities? We're going to read on. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are never warm. You earn wages only to put them in purses with holes in it. 
This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Haggai is asking the people, where are your priorities? And number two, are you unsatisfied? Are you unsatisfied with your life? Are you just done chasing because you're so tired? And you're chasing things because you just want to be fulfilled. You just want to be satisfied. You just want the healing. You just want the relationship. You just want the marriage. You want the pregnancy. You want, you want, you want. But I'm going to tell you, from somebody that has experienced all of those wonderful things, they do not satisfy and fulfill. There will still be a deep longing for more. There will be a deep sensation in your soul. It is, I can't explain it, but it's a void that nothing here on this earth could fill. We are chasing the very things that are going to leave us unsatisfied. We're going to continue. Go up to the mountain and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Do you want to be happy? Do you want to be happy? Just, yes. Okay, so here it's saying, if you want to be happy, if you want to be happy, you need to make God happy. You need to give him what brings him joy. We are chasing happiness. We are chasing satisfaction. We are chasing fulfillment. We are chasing self. The world is ugly. The more and more humanity falls in love with self, the uglier and uglier it begins. It it, it throws humanity into this whirlwind, this downward spiral of just, it's just ugly. I told you it was going to be a strong word. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. So we ask, what are your priorities? Are you satisfied? Are are you unsatisfied? Do you want to be happy? The next one is, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains in ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. See, we look at the situations around us and we wonder whether God is in them. I think God is in them. I think God is causing some of them. He's causing a little bit of uncomfortableness. He's causing some strife. He's causing some things in our life to shake up because he's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get your focus. He's trying to help you get your priorities in order. The thing that Haggai is asking the people here is, do you see the problem? Do you see it? So I think part of it is that we just don't see the problem. And that creates an even bigger problem for us. Because if we don't know the pro- what the problem is, we think everything else is the problem. So we go then chasing again, wasting away trying to look good, trying to make ourselves presentable, capable. But there's a bigger problem. See, these are the two things about God that I want you to know. Number one, God cannot sin. That is a theological conversation and like strong um, 
stance, he cannot sin. And number two, God cannot be second. He cannot be second. We've put him second. (laughs) We've put him second, church. In our brokenness, in our selfish nature, in our desire to want something so bad, we end up taking God's place and we navigate the ship. And we become the Titanic that barges right through an iceberg. And all along, God is saying, hey, I love you, but I can't be second. You want to live audaciously? I can't be second. You want to be healed? I can't be second. You want more? I can't be second. And what that means is, I think we're busy chasing again, and the thing we should be chasing is God, knowing God, knowing his characteristics, walking with him. We're going to learn something really cool about Jesus in Luke twenty-two forty-two. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. What if the problem is not so much that we don't want to love God? What if the problem is that we don't want his will? What if we just want our own will? We're following our own desires, our own dreams, our own pursuits. But Jesus so beautifully put it here. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will. But yours be done. God's will in my life and in your life is that he wouldn't be second. Our responsibility is to honor him and to love him. And everything else is his job. How cool is that? The weight just lifted off my shoulders. You know what? I worship today like never before because I was like, yes, I'm going to honor you in this moment because everything else is on you. I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to honor you first because you don't want second. I'm going to honor you and I'm going to happily go through my day because the rest is on you. We get ourselves in trouble because when an opportunity knocks, we don't know how to decipher whether it's God's will or our own. Then we do things that get us in trouble and then we need God to rescue us out of those things. He's like, listen, I'm that panel house that you keep building. I'm like, I have bigger plans, but until you get this, I'm just gonna keep sending the storm. I'm gonna keep sending certain things to get your attention because I cannot be second. He cannot be second. you're in between two good things right now, I want you to ask the question, which one will honor God? I had a lot of people ask me, how do I know if it's God's voice and God's direction? Okay, present it. And which of the two will honor God? Which one of the two will serve God? Because that's his will and not your own. To serve him, to love him. You know, God came Send his son to forgive you of your past, to give you a future through purpose and a plan and a promise. 
And in the, as you are doing that here on earth, he is preparing a place for us in heaven. So the things we do on earth matter. It's the, the difference between living a happy life and a life that's just constantly losing. So we don't know how to decipher what is God's will over decisions in our lives. So if we approach every decision, every, decision, every opportunity with God, I got A and B. I'm taking myself out of the equation. I'm not going to be biased here because I know the consequence of that. I end up in the desert. I end up lost and I end up thirsty. Which of these two will honor you? Which one of these two will serve you? And which one is God's best? You know, you can ask that. There could be two guys, two girls in front of you. Great prospects for marriage. But one will compliment you more. And can I just say something? We, just a little bit of humble pie here for a second. I want you to know that it is rare for there be a man and a woman to follow God wholeheartedly with their life, with their decisions, with their soul, with everything. So if you approach these people as prospects for marriage, but you're like, uh, that ain't it. I'm not attracted. They just don't flick my switch. They're not tall enough. Their nose isn't profiled enough. The hair's off. The hairline, the teeth, the walk. If you are basing your future on those things, you messed up. Why? Because a man of God and a woman of God is a rarity in this culture and in this day and age. And because it is rare, you can't be picky and you can't be choosy. There's not millions of supermodels that love Jesus out there. Unless there's a miracle, and I believe in miracles. But seriously, guys and girls, what are we basing our future on? The butterflies? And that's good. There has to be a little attraction, there has to be something. But don't be so judgmental and don't be so critical. Base it on good things, things that last, that will last the test of time. Okay, I have six minutes. Honor him with your body. Honor him with your thoughts. I want to say something for those of you who are battling depression and anxiety. Look at me. Life is going to hit you. You're going to feel panic. You're going to feel nerves. You're going to feel the shakes. You're going to feel scared. That may never go away. However, what you decide to do with that, the next step beyond that is the most crucial. And let me frame that for you. There's two roads in front of you. Am I going to honor God with my thoughts of faith? Am I going to honor God with my thoughts to know his characteristics and know that he loves me and that he's got me? And that I should trust him? 
Or am I going to feed into the fear? Am I going to feed into the what could be's? Am I going to feed into the lack of control? You have a choice on which side and which road you will choose. Life is going to hit you. But it's what we do with what comes at us that will determine whether we will find ourselves on the path that is life-giving. Christ came to give you life and life to the fullest and life to, in abundance. And in that moment, you have to know that Christ died for that very moment, for that very panic moment, for that very fearful moment, for that very moment of lack of control. Christ hung on the cross and he was beaten and bruised for that very moment for you to choose life over death. He came to give you the power in those moments to choose what you will serve and what thoughts will elevate themselves above the name of Jesus. He came to give you power to choose in that moment. Kick the devil out of your head. Kick him out. Evict him. He ain't paying rent. He didn't pay a security deposit. He ain't paying anything. But he's made his bed in the master bedroom. He's sitting in your nice tub. Bubble bath. Chilling. He's eating your food. He has refrigerator rights. He's wearing your darn slippers. Get him out. Listen, the church. There are legal things in the kingdom of God that we are given as the church to bind and loosen. You don't have these rights outside of church. When Christ approached Peter and said, Peter, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. That which you bind in heaven will be bound on earth. And that which you loose in heaven. Do you know what that means? If you're bound here, call heaven and they'll make it loose. But here's the thing. It's a legal transaction only for those that are connected to the body of Christ. That is why people need to come into this space. That is why people need to join the church. Because there are legal rights that people don't have out there. But in here, we got them. We got the keys, baby. We got the keys. We got the keys. We need to get fierce. We need to be bold. And the way we do that is to decipher what is God's will and what is not. I'm sweating. The band can come up. You know, let's get the whole band up. We got a minute. 
just going to do business here. Everyone stand up. I'm tired. I'm tired of wasting time. I'm 40 years old. I am 40. And I, I say that, you know, to brag. I say that because there are things that we know we should be seeing. There are things that we should be experiencing by now. Coming into the 10th year of birthday. You know what? Pandemic, nothing. I don't care about pandemic. That has nothing to do with where we're at today. Today is about a conscious decision that we will not become the result of a stupid pandemic. There are things in your life that God is trying to get your attention on. Because he's saying, mighty man of God, mighty woman of God, there is a worship leader in you. There is a businessman in you. There is kingdom finances inside of you. There's spiritual things that you see that not everyone else can see. There are prophecies that have yet to be spoken. There are things happening in the unseen that we can be a part of. But we won't do it if God is second. The church can't be first. The job can't be first. The brokenness can't be first. The sickness can't be first. God needs to be first. He will not share himself. He loves you too much to leave you where you are. And he's saying, hey, today's a day. Today's a time. Are we going to make a choice here or not? If everyone in this room invited some other person to this room, we wouldn't fit here. But for whatever reason, we cannot break a barrier here. I'm sick of it. We can't push past 500 in this building. People should be banging down the doors, crawling in through the windows. We have the best kept secret. Why? Why are we struggling? depression why has the light gone out why are we confused why are we so doubtful we have the best kept secret why because we're sharing ourselves with everything else except God and creator of the universe he doesn't want to be second place. How do I do this, Audrey? Every conversation, every decision, every room. Is this God's best for me? Is this God's purpose for me? Is this God's will for me right now? Is this conversation honoring to God? Is this text? Is this drink? Three in. Is this honoring of the temple of the Holy Spirit? Listen, we got to start making choices. And this is as much a word for me as it is for everyone in this place. We got to sober up and we got to put God where he belongs. I'm going to quickly run through these because I've got three minutes. Where are my notes? 
The strength of the church derives from putting him first. The treasure chest of life is found in putting him first. Generosity begins when we put him first. We cannot chase success and give him first place. We cannot chase success and give him first place. We cannot chase success and give him first place. We have to chase him and success will follow. Our journey is about him coming into first place. This journey never ends. Until you draw your last breath, it is about him sitting in the throne of your life. Him taking first place. And his place is spelled L-O-V-E. 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 It's not about control. It's not about lording over you. But it's about the full breath and the full weight of an unadulterated love that he has for you. Here you are selling yourself to things and God is like, my love is pure. There are seven strategies used, seven stages used in the method of water purification, seven. There are seven filters. Before you make that decision in life, pass it through the filters. And I ain't talking about the Instagram filters, the ones we hide behind. I'm talking about the ones we pass through to take away the junk and the muck and the past. Jesus is living waters, waters without impurities. You need to go and drink from that well. I want to pray for some people. I got one minute. Are you just done? Are you just tired? Are you like, I've been coming to church. I've been doing this, but I've been kind of like half in, half out. Are you ready to go all in? Are you ready to give God first place? Are we tired of playing games? Are we tired of holding back because we're scared? It's all a choice. So I'm going to pray. And the Holy Spirit's going to fall in this place. And it's going to break down barriers. Where there is fear, he's going to put faith. Where there is a, a coward spirit, he's going to put fire and conviction. And it will shoot up like fire in your bones. Every hand lifted. Father, we humbly come before your throne. How ridiculous are we to think that we can do this without you. How ridiculous and foolish to think that we can build panel houses and build lives and build homes without you ordering steps. Father, I pray right now, this is, this is about you right now because we're putting you first. We're putting you in the center of our lives. We're putting you in the throne room of our hearts where you belong. We're putting you center stage. We are putting you first. Take your rightful place, God. You said, love the Lord. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord God with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. God, we haven't done that right. We've loved you with our soul, maybe with our mind, maybe with our heart, but you want all of it. 
Lord, forgive us. We repent. Lord, we repent for doing it our way, for thinking we know better, for taking decisions and playing God to our own lives and putting your name to it, God. We repent and we say we are sorry. Lord, forgive us. Lord, we repent. We are sorry that we've held. We've held back. We've held on. Lord, we are sorry that we haven't given you our hearts. So maybe we gave you our hearts, but we haven't given you our bodies. We let our bodies dictate, our feelings dictate. The drugs, the alcohol, the sex, the lying, the cheating, Lord. We let our bodies take over and you're saying, no, there's more for you, there's better for you. Lord, we repent and we say we're sorry. How dare we want to move forward audaciously when you haven't been in first place in our lives. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We know you love us as we are, but God, we got to play. We got to know our part. We got to know the part we played in this. And we played you, God. But you know we haven't because you sit above it all and you're sovereign and you're good and you're gracious and you're merciful and you love us and you give us a second chance. And you're not held back by our silly, stupid things, but God, you still lean in and you still say, love me, come back to me, come home to me. We're coming back. We're coming back homeward. We're waiting on a million things, a million promises. I don't care. As long as you're there, it's okay. Those of you who want breakthrough and healing in your body, raise your hand, two hands up. Mental, physical, broken hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray for you. Look at all these hands. Why are you suffering, church? Why are you suffering? Why? Why is there so much pain? Why is there so much suffering in our community and in our body? Jesus, set them free. Jesus, you died on the cross so that we would have life and more abundantly, God. Every chain and every shackle that has bound people to their thoughts, Father, we come against it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray right now that the devil would flee as we resist him in the mind, Father God. Pray freedom in Jesus' name. I literally see people, things falling from people's minds right now. I want to pray for people that have hard hearts. You've hardened your heart. Lift up your hands. I want to pray for you. So many hands. Father, every single hard heart, every single stone cold heart, I pray that you would blow life into their heart, that it would become soft again. And it doesn't make sense that your wind would break down a rock, but that's what you do because you're powerful. All you got to do is blow into hard hearts and they will be softened again in Jesus name I want to pray for people that are battling with addiction don't be ashamed it's okay raise your hand in the name of Jesus 
I pray that addiction would go in the name of Jesus. That the painkiller medication wouldn't be a dependency. That the alcohol wouldn't be a dependency. That the drugs wouldn't be something we depend on. In the name of Jesus, I smash and I declare every single generational curse. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And I'm going to pray for some. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray for those of you who want to know Jesus. They're like, I am ready. I know that Jesus Christ went to Calvary. They put a crown of thorns on his head to mock him and call him Jesus, King Jesus. And they put a heavy cross on his back. And he walked the long road of suffering all the way up to Calvary. And they beat him. They lashed him. They broke his body. They made him bleed. But he said, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus has set the best example for us. He was human. He was God, but he was human and he felt the pain. And he felt every single one of those lashes on his body. And then he went up to Calvary and they laid him down on a cross, the most humiliating death, historically speaking for the time. And they took nails and they nailed his hands to the cross, both hands. You get a splinter and you cry. And then they nailed his feet. And if that wasn't humiliating enough, they lifted his body up on that cross so the world can see King Jesus, the Messiah that came to save the earth, dying and bleeding out. And here we are, putting God second and third. Here we are, getting in the driver's seat of our lives. We believe this or not, this happened. And he committed to death all the way, to his last breath. And you know what the most heartbreaking thing was? It wasn't even the pain. It wasn't even the bleeding. It wasn't any of that. It was the fact that his father had to turn his back on him because he bore the sins of humanity on his shoulders. And he could not stand the sight of Jesus Christ with sin on his shoulders. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Somebody had to do it and here we are, church gambling our lives thinking that we have time next year and a couple of months to play church we don't if you believe that happened the bible says if you believe that jesus christ died that very excruciating death that i just mentioned and died on a cross and then three days later man didn't raise him into his body and gave him life again and he resurrected he changed the game and here we are playing these foolish games but he changed the game if you believe that happened the bible says if you confess that with your mouth 
that you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from yourself. Saved from putting God second, third, tenth place. You'll be saved from doing this life alone and having to live on the outside. You know, we're on the inside. Everyone else is on the outside. Here we are trying to get on the inside of the world. We're like, no, we are on the inside. Jesus came to forgive you of your past, give you a purpose. And he's preparing a mansion for you in heaven. Oh, death, where is your sting? He conquered it. He went to hell and he took back those keys. And you know who has the keys? The church. We have those keys. We've got them. Okay. If you believe that, all you got to do is pray this prayer with us. So before we do that, can you raise, if, if that speaks to you and you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to make sense of what this crazy screaming lady is saying on this stage, I promise you our grow group leaders are more eloquent than me probably a little less passionate but they're going to push you and they're going to bring you into uncomfortable conversations because God doesn't leave you where you're at so if you believe that and you want Jesus to come into your heart why don't you raise your hand so anyone one got one hand come on let's celebrate any other hand very cool one more hand down the front Amazing. Amazing, amazing. Okay, everyone close your eyes by your heads. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you gave me life by giving your son to die on the cross for my sins. Now I have a hope, a destiny, and a future through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Okay, so here's the thing. We wanna set you up for a win. Do not leave this building without grabbing one of these Bibles because this Bible is very important to marking today. All you gotta do is look on the screen, you text whatever it says to text, text the number, it's gonna stay up. You're gonna get a QR code and the rest is history, okay? Hey church, let's do this. Let's just do it. Go all in. I'm excited. This is uh, March 2022. I'm believing in the next couple of weeks and months that we're going to outgrow this building. I'm believing that our giving is going to kick butt. And we're going to be able to bring people on staff and we're going to be able to, you know, the possibilities of buildings are out there. They're just too expensive. Can't afford them. And I just said it. Okay. That's where we're at. But if everyone gives and everyone's faithful and the generosity kicks in by putting God first, we're gonna do this together. And we're gonna see some amazing things. We are gonna see Chicago change. We're gonna see cities across the world transformed by Jesus Christ and the church. Amen? Okay, so put it on reoccurring. Pray when you give. We're gonna do this together. Can I pray for your week? Thank you, Jesus. I pray that everyone received this word with love and with a sense of urgency. Lord, I pray that it would just land on hearts. God, that they would go to bed knowing that it's all good if you're in first place. 
We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, church.